Today, I am going to be talking about the toll depression takes on the Brain Movement Center. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Limbic Podcast. Listen to this. Your brain and body comes equipped with their own healing machines. My name is Umu Benjamin, and I am a holistic integrative and nutritional psychiatry nurse practitioner with over 21 years of medical nursing experience and a mind and body preventive health coach. Depression is a symptoms or one of the symptoms of brain disorder or brain inflammation. Part of depression is a loss in the activities of daily living. Activities of daily living is defined as fundamental skills required to independently care for oneself. We are talking about you choosing to eat, bathe, be mobile, or be able to move around. Activities of daily living is a common assessment performed on individuals with medical and physical disabilities, geriatrics or older adults with chronic and debilitating medical conditions in their 70s to their 90s. Activities of daily living is not an evaluation that would have been needed to be performed on a healthy, functional adult. However, many functional adults are unaware of the sublet changes many medical and psychiatric symptoms produce that leads to a decline in their activities of living as part of the symptoms progression. This can now be observed in younger kids, adolescents, and young adults. Imagine losing joy or interest in activities, events, or actions once performed. We are talking about basic functions such as getting out of bed, showering, washing your face, brushing your teeth, or experiencing slowness in global movement. Many clients would explain this phenomenon as the battle between deciding to get up or stay in bed or feeling like their bodies and limbs are lead heavy or they will explain how they feel as if everything around them is moving slowly and that their movement feels slow. Individuals with symptoms of depression would have spent the whole day at home sitting on the couch or laying in bed and still feeling unable to get up and perform the basic task, yet would explain that they felt like they have done a day's worth of work. This may also be the individuals that can perform core tasks such as going to work and holding employment, but upon returning home cannot lift a finger to perform any home or hygiene related task. Prior to COVID, many of our visits or psychiatric visits were in person. 
be talking you having to get into your car and drive to your physician's or psychiatrist's office for your in-person appointment. Changes in your activities of living or decreased mobility would have been more visible due to visual representation of you either presenting with a poor hygiene or change in your body movement, such as dragging your feet if previously you never dragged your feet, slowness in your movement or mild odor due to poor hygiene. However, unless directly questioned with telehealth visits and video visits, these little details are only sometimes captured or not captured in some of the basic assessment skills we use with patient care. So some of the skills will be PHQ-9 for depression and HAMD for depression. Many times if the client is asked if they struggle with low energy or low mood, they would say yes. They may say yes, but that will be the extent to their answer and they may not elaborate that they're having difficulties getting out of bed or have not taken shower for days or months, have not brushed their teeth for months or groomed. The decline in mental and physical health directly correlates to movement or the lack of the initiation to move, which is a function of the frontal motor cortex supporting your dopamine drive and your executive functioning drive. Your frontal lobe motor cortex is the same lobe responsible for executive functioning. We are talking about making higher level cortical thinking decisions. This cortex is also responsible for movement, voluntary movement. All voluntary movement requires a higher level of energy, cognitive functioning, critical decision making. As such, during times of high stress and worsening depression, the body may allocate energy reserve to optimize you, the full human, cellularly so your body can function during that time of high stress. And physical and affective emotional state gets blunted. And any aspect of your critical decision making about whether you want to get out of bed or want to move as a priority gets allocated elsewhere. Abnormal changes in activities of daily living are helped or made worse by the decrease in your body's primary neurotransmitters responsible for initiating movement or the drive or motivation to move. Those neurotransmitters are in the frontal motor cortex of your brain. The changes that occurs in depression can be seen in individuals with inflammation within that frontal motor cortex. And one of those inflammation that affects the frontal motor cortex is Parkinson's disease, which depressive symptoms are one of the common clinical symptoms where the disease process has affected their motor cortex and dopamine transmission and connectivity. The abnormal changes in movement experienced in depressed patient or client 
and documented loss or death in brain cells within the frontal cortex can be observed in individuals with Parkinson's disease. And when I'm talking about loss or death in brain cells, we're talking about brain atrophy, which can be found or observed in patients under functional MRI with depression, the same as patients with Parkinson's disease. With Parkinson's disease, the disease has produced a profound loss in the frontal motor cortex executive functioning, a decline in movement, rigidity in movement, and rigidity, rigidity in thoughts due to the depletion in dopamine, non-adrenaline, non-epinephrine producing cells. Part of the disease process of Parkinson or brain disorder is mild to severe atrophy of the frontal cortex that gets to produce symptoms of tremors and rigidity in movement, thinking, and bradykinase, which is slowness in movement due to the impact of the disorder in those brain areas that controls movement. A recent study by Dunlop, D-U-N-L-O-P, an associate professor of psychiatry and mood, an anxiety disorder director at Emory University School of Medicine, performing a before and after functional MRI scan study in individuals with depression for 12 weeks. He examined the structural images of the brain observing the changes that occurs in depression and the impact of psychotropic drugs and non-psychotropic treatments. In his study published by the American Psychiatric Association, Dunlop discovered that individuals using psychotropic drugs and non-psychotropics by natural approaches such as cognitive behavior therapy recovered from their depression at the same rate or similar rate. His studies show that individuals treated with psychotropic only achieve remission or recovery at 50%, while cognitive behavior therapy receive remission or recovery at 48%. His study did not consider the impact nutrition, sleep, and mindful breathing may have had in terms of the impact on brain inflammation which in my personal opinion would have yielded an even healthier contrast in using a holistic approach as the first line of treatment. The Dunlop study also explained that the individuals that recovered from depression improved their movement. I'm going to say that again. By them recovering from their depression, they improved their movement. And the initiation to move became easier. A lot of us take things that are voluntary in life for granted, and that includes movement. Imagine losing the ability to perform the basic movement, developing slowness in movement, losing motivation to move around as quickly as possible as you want, or experiencing a decline in functioning beyond your baseline due to the changes in the brain caused by depression. Basically losing the potential and motivation to get out of bed and perform what would have been you naturally performing a task, not even having to blink or lose a thought. The Dunlop study also discovered that individuals 
in the cognitive behavior group had an increased brain connectivity after 12 weeks of treatment in specific areas of their brain. Through cognitive therapy, he explained that individuals in that cognitive therapy group showed an improvement in their brain connectivities. The study concluded that recovering from depression using cognitive behavior therapy or CBT was associated with stronger connection between brain regions that control executive functioning and emotional processing. In other words, you healed part of your frontal cortex, which then supports the cognitive ability for you to process and prioritize information to initiate a complete task, focus on the task, have attention, as well as feel rewarded for having to go through the process or just the anticipation of all of that processes and actually taking the movement to perform those tasks. That's a significant finding. It means that cognitive behavior therapy improves your frontal cortex. The executive functions and decision-making which are controlled by your frontal cortex are often impaired by individuals that becomes depressed. Yes, by you becoming depressed, especially depression that's not treated, your brain tends to lose the cells that support cognitive and executive functioning. This directly leads to having negative attitude, perceptions, affect, beliefs, and that's due to the brain prioritizing what it needs to do to allocate healing and wellness to support you, the full human, because your brain is so inflamed. Depression is an inflammatory brain symptom. It affects the neurotransmitters producing all the neurotransmitters that are responsible for supporting your movement, which is part of the dopaminergic function of your brain. Depression also affects the energy producing centers and the neurotransmitters that would have helped you have energy, so non-adrenaline, no epinephrine functions. What most people do not get to understand or are not aware of, a depletion in one neurotransmitter naturally depletes the others due to the natural cycle of cellular functionality. They all coexist together and function together and depletion in one depletes the other. It's a cascade system. We have countless of studies that explain the benefit of mindfulness cognitive behavior therapy, MCBT, and its impact on helping the brain produce new brain cells, brain connectivity. As such, these findings by the Dunlop study were not surprising to me. Through cognitive behavior therapy, individuals get to learn the ways to reduce their brain cortisol exposure, your brain stress response and exposure. And through cognitive behavior therapy, you get to learn how to assess and address how emotions and feelings impact your behaviors and how to work through these expectations and experiences. Cognitive training helps you identify maladaptive thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And CBT also helps you adapt positive coping skills to process and implementing those changes 
through actions to support what would have been a psychological dysregulation or emotional dysregulation. A coping skill, by the way, once learned, becomes a valuable lifelong skill. The Dunlop study shows the importance of holistic management in clients with depression or inflammatory brain symptoms. Suppose the clients do elect to use psychotropic drugs for their management as first line of treatment for their brain inflammation, symptoms of depression, which is perfectly okay. And it's their choices. Nobody has the right to decide what are going to be your choices when it comes to wellness. In that case, they should also be encouraged to partake in cognitive behavior therapy in adjunct with their psychotropic management. In addition to other mindful lifestyle practices, a holistic approach, which is one I've used for many years in the clients I've treated, would have been to use what would be mindful cognitive behavior therapy and support that with exercise and nutrition and proper sleep. And in my personal opinion, this would have yielded a higher positive recovery response and improved overall brain health, which is what I've observed in many of the clients I've treated. Thank you for listening. If this topic has been one that's been instrumental to you, resonates with you, please do share it with family and friends or any individual experiencing high stress. If you are experiencing high levels of stress, you should seek early preventive coaching or treatment as this will prevent brain remodeling and inflammation due to chronic stress. Please subscribe to my podcast and share this podcast with friends and family, especially those with high stressful situations. Be on the team that motivates them to seek early help for wellness. Feel free to visit me at limbic.live or join my Limbic community on Facebook. And also, I value and appreciate your feedbacks, comments, and criticism. I would like to hear how to improve this podcast to benefit you, my listener. Thank you again for listening and have a wonderful day.